Hey everybody, I want to welcome you this week to the Matrix discussion group call. Matrix as in exiting the Matrix. Um, you know, a lot of things I've had multiple people actually for about a month contacting me. And it's been longer than that, but really a lot the past month and especially the past week. Talking about some of the traps that people fall in when they first start learning what this whole system is about or how they think it's about. You know how they think it runs or what they think it's about and they, they have a fairly good idea as to things but it's actually almost really just enough knowledge uh, to get them into trouble and to make them dangerous you know, and dangerous to themselves as well and so they've asked you know that you know maybe we should start um, having some broadcasts where we talk about some of these traps and some of these things that people fall into and so in thinking about doing that this evening um, I had all the different ones that I've seen uh, coming to my mind, and um, I thought, okay, do I just name them all off? And I was like, no, I don't want to name name people, because to me, in a way, that, that's a little dishonorable. Uh, but then again, thinking back on it, I look at a lot of them and the things that they do, and I see them slinging mud at people at the same time. And... My intention isn't necessarily to sling mud. My intention is just to point out these are some of the things out here. This is what they're based on, and this is kind of what you need to keep in mind when you're looking at the process they're doing and decide for yourself. Do your own due diligence, whether that is something you really want to follow or not, um, especially realizing the type of trouble or the issues that it, it could raise in your life. I had somebody talking to me actually today uh, about somebody in another country who had done some work, I think it was with a birth certificate or something. I'm not sure exactly what the whole process was. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But um, they ended up like getting their bank accounts froze, um, getting uh, their paychecks yanked and stuff like that, and having to go and live at a friend's house because they couldn't even pay rent where they were at. I mean, so there's things that, yeah, can get you into trouble. A lot of people are looking around and, you know, admittedly, I know one of the first things people look for is where's that piece of paper that I can sign on the dotted line to get myself out of this crap. You know what I mean? Because realistically, that is part of the way a lot of people have gotten in and contracted their way in with the U.S. and a lot of uh, different things, different aspects, whether you saw security, driver's license, or whatever. So they kind of look at that as being the exit plan or the exit strategy as well. Is you know, where's that form I can sign? Gosh, it it, it must be uh, uh, DNC 300, you know, do not consent 300 form or something, you know what I mean? And so they start looking around, and then at the same time, then they're running into all these other people that are pushing all their own little uh, projects or processes and at the heart of it what, you, what you're gonna find also is the majority of them are gonna want money they're gonna want big bucks uh, especially these people showing you how to do the UCC stuff and get your bills discharged and all of that um, and it's like wait a second you know oh, and they're talking about tapping into your trust fund and it's like okay wait a second if you've got the answers for all that then you should be wealthy beyond belief. And so why would you need my 500 bucks? I mean, that, to me, that just really makes no sense.
But to me, when it comes to those things, such as UCC, for instance, and the money and things going on with the treasury, it seems like those are the people that always end up getting nailed. Those are the people that always end up in jail. And myself personally, knowing what I know about how that money was created, what it's really based on, and the spiritual level of things going on in this world, that's the last thing that I would want to have anything to do with. Uh, to me, that is, at best, it's blood money. At worst, it belongs to spirits that you don't want to have anything to do with, period. And in thinking about tonight's call, I was thinking about naming it Tricks and Traps of the Lawful Sovereign Citizen Patriot Guru Secured Creditor National Educational System. But at the end of it, I thought that title was just a little bit too short. So anyway, let me t touch on some other things that are going to be the first things that people run into because, I mean, I'm going to hit on these things because these are the things people call me about and they say, what do you know about this? Or what do you know about that? Or even more funny, they contact me and they're like, hey, guess what I found? You won't believe what I found. And they'll show me something that I saw a few years ago and ran away from screaming. <laughs> and so I'll be nice and listen to them and then, then kind of explain some of the background to it and they're like, oh, yeah, nah, never mind. <laughs> you know, so uh, let me just touch on some of these things. And some of these names people will know. Um, some people that listen to this may not know these names. And there's a bunch of names that I'm not going to be mentioning as well. And the reason why is because I just think they're way too even insignificant to even worry about. Um, you know, one of the first names that comes to people's mind is uh, Winston Shrout. And all along through his time of going to court and stuff, uh, the premise and the idea that he was posing was that, oh, he was setting them up. He was getting them in the position he wanted them in. Well, guess where he's at now? Nobody knows because he's been sentenced to prison. And last I knew, he was still on the run and they hadn't found him yet. That, to me, is not a position I want to be in. I don't want to be looking over my shoulder. Um, along those same lines is creditors in commerce. Okay, and it seems to me one of the things that always stays consistent is it comes down to money. People are all about the money. They want the money. If you see, like, online, probably one of the biggest movements out there is the whole monetize your birth certificate thing. Oh, my God. And that Judge Navarro or whatever his name is, there's plenty of things online where people have been talking about how he has just totally ripped them and their families off. So is that something you'd want to follow? Yeah, not so much, at least not for me. And so this seems to be something that has gone back in time as well, even go back into the times of Scripture. It was discussions about taxation and questions about taxation and who should be taxed, who shouldn't. And Peter asked Jesus, you know, about who should be taxed and who should. And he said, well, Peter, he said, who gets taxed? Do the foreigners get taxed? Do the conquered people get taxed? Or do the king's people get taxed? And Peter said, well, the king doesn't tax his people. He taxes the people he's conquered. And so that should make us stop and think for a second, you know, because we're all being taxed, you know, some countries more heavily than others. But are we essentially the conquered people? 
before getting taxed. Um, Gene Keating kind of falls into those lines. Uh, Patrick Devine also falls into those lines. I've listened to a lot of Patrick Devine stuff over the years and his private calls with his people. And it seemed like every week it was like, okay, that piece of paper didn't work. Let's try this form, you know. And just a lot of people chasing their tail. Uh, you've got April June out selling these UC packages or whatever that she's supposedly doing with Anna Von Reitz. Um, and Anna Von Reitz has a lot of excuses for different things she's done, like uh, the blood oath that she said she took at the altar of the Vatican. Okay, And you can see the piece of paper out there where she went and put her little red thumbprint on it and signed all her 20 different styles of her name <clears throat> and claimed that she was in service of the Pope. Well, okay, yeah, that's not somebody I'd really want to follow either myself. Um, Kata Gaia, a lot of people are going to come across Kata Gaia and the whole lose the name game thing out there. Well, you know what, they think that's the answer, just run from the problem. All right, but if you don't want to take responsibility, if you want to be in dishonor, you are so ashamed of the name your mother and father gave you, then fine. Enjoy your 72-hour stints in jail while they try and find your name and locate your name and then release you. And at the same time, you can enjoy living on somebody else's couch, uh, eating out of their cupboards. You know, and I, I know several people like this. And it's like, wait a second. You think it is unholy and it's wrong for you to be using that name that your mother and father gave you, they gifted it to you way before the state ever put it on a piece of paper, which, by the way, one of the arguments out there is, oh, it's copyrighted. No, it's not. The form is copyrighted. It was copyrighted long before any content was put on it. In fact, there's going to be lots of different names put on that same form that has a copyright. It doesn't mean the content is copyrighted because it's not. What I want to say is, you know, people want to run from that and not use the name and not give it. That means they can't hold a job. They can't uh, operate a vehicle, this and that. But though they think it's perfectly okay for somebody else to do that while they mooch off them and live on their couch and eat out of their cupboard. And to me, if you think it's dishonorable to use the name, it's 100 times more dishonorable to be mooching off from somebody else who is doing what you think is dishonorable. I, that's just circular logic. Total circular logic to me. Um, that there's Dean Clifford, people probably run across in Canada. You know, I like Dean Clifford's heart and I love his attitude. I think he's a pretty cool guy. But he's more about, you know, using all the statutes and codes and all that. And, that, and that's going to be the way he's going to take care of his problems and his ills. Well, one of the problems you're going to run across, though, when you do that is that they change those things up every now and then. So you might be in there using a statute. In fact, I listened to one story. I think it might have been him where you, they were using a statute for something and the judge and the clerk almost kind of had a smicker on their face. You know, they were almost kind of laughing a little bit. Come to find out the reason why is because it had been changed and that statute now that was being used actually applied to the dog catcher. Okay, so anyway. Um, and, of course, people know that I had some involvement with the uh, government of the United States of America. That would be Reign of the Heavens, um, the General Post, da-da-da. And that, that whole premise is set up 
them correcting the article, Articles of Confederation, okay? Because it supposedly hadn't been done correctly and the Constitutional Convention was incorrect, uh, broken chain of title, da da da. Whereas uh, the Articles of Confederation clearly states that any amendments or changes to it must be done by the states and by Congress and has to be agreed on by all the states. If you wonder about that, you can find that in Article 13 of the Articles of Confederation. It doesn't say that some yahoo down the road can pick it up and use it. It's, number one, it's not everybody's document. It's the empire's document. It's the company's document. And if you go looking for it, the easiest place to find it is at a site called ourdocuments.gov. That means .gov, it's the government's Our Documents, period, not just for anybody. Um, it's not found at uh, keithlivingwaysdocs.reignoftheheavens or anything like that. No, it's our government's, or ourdocuments.gov. So, you know, trying to use another company's documents to me is nothing less than a trespass. Um, the, let me hit on one of the biggest rabbit holes that people fall down, and this is one the mass majority are stuck in today. And that is that term, our president. You know, gosh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't hear that 20 times. Our president did this. Our president did, you know what, he's the president of a company. Now, I don't know if you've been hired by that company. As far as I know, that company is just kind of supervising you. That's all it really comes down to. And how he's yours, how he's ours, I really don't know. Uh, people think they vote for him. And I've had people come to me and ask me who I'm voting for, and I'm like, why? Number one, why would you even vote for president? Because you don't choose. It's the electoral college it chooses. And I explain that setup to them and how it's organized. And they nod their head and they agree. And at the end of the conversation, they're like, yeah, yeah, I understand, I understand. But who are you voting for? And it's like, wow, people's indoctrination is so thick that even when things are explained to them, it goes right in one ear and out the other. Um, you know, and, and the biggest premise of people having even voted for this particular president was that he was going to build a wall. Well, who's seen a wall? I'll tell you who's seen a wall. In 2018, Jordan started seeing a $500 million wall put up for them between between uh, Jordan and Syria and Iraq. Um, out of that ominous package, guess what Texas got? It got 33 miles of a fence. Okay? Doesn't sound like much of a wall to me. Um, but also, at the same time, whether it's things that Gene Keating, Kata Gaia, or living away with the government of the United States of America is doing, what it really comes down to is these people are forming, especially if you've got to go in and join them or something like that and be a part of them, pay dues, whatever the case may be, that they're really forming their own little club. And that's protected under the right of association, First and Fourteenth Amendment of their documents. It's protected. You can do that. You can join any little club you want. In fact, there's clubs all around you. A lot of people are members of a homeowners association. No different. You can join those things if you want. And do what you want with inside the walls of your little club, and the empire is just going to sit back and laugh at you because it doesn't have any effect on them. 
that's all there is to it. Um, I think Joe's here this evening, and Joe had a few things he wanted to touch on. You still with us, Joe? Yep, I'm here. Uh, yeah, it just, you know, there's a lot of different rabbit holes that I keep seeing popping up over and over and over again and coming from all kinds of different people. And one of the things I wanted to address is not just, like, who's saying what, but what they're saying. You know, I've seen this a lot in the tactical sovereignty group and other places where people try to use justifications for their actions by quoting, you know, UCC ordinance this or UCC says that or United States Code says this or it says that. Look, it may say that or it may not, but that's a private code. It's a private thing. It has nothing to do with you. Okay, so... They put some rule or law or whatever in the ordinance book. Okay, so what? They publish it in the federal registry. So what? Where'd you get your license to use it or to practice it? To kind of give an example of this, um, I shop at Walmart. Does that mean that I have the right to go in to Walmart and tell them how to run their company based on their own rules and regulations? No. I'm a customer, a consumer. I have no right, no place, no business telling them how to do their job or how to run their company. The exact same thing. You don't like it? Don't engage in it. Don't do business with it. Um, I know that people will turn around and say, oh, well, you know, it says that we have this right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say that you have any right. It talks about what rights the government has and what they can do. But again, that's not you. So all these people using UCC and USC and all this other stuff, frankly, you're being stupid. I know that's probably going to piss some people. Uh huh. That's all right. I don't. I don't mean to cut you off, but I see David's with us. So I see David's with us. So I was going to unmute him. That way, if you hear him pipe in, it doesn't catch you off guard. But what you were just saying also ties back to the last thing I was saying regarding Trump. And that is one of the big things the whole patriot community falls back to is they look at the Constitution and say, well, it says we the people. Well, guess what? We the people? You want to know who we the people are? They're the we who signed the document. It's not you. So guess what? When we the people was written back in 1787 to 1789, when that was put on that document, they weren't thinking about you several hundred years later. hate to tell you that. But anyway, go ahead, and I just want to let David know I was going to unmute him as well. All right, awesome. Um, To just kind of bring David up to speed real quick, basically what we're talking about is how things like the UCC and the United States Code and all these other rules and regulations and stuff like that don't apply to the citizens at all. It's not their property. They have no claim to it. They can't use it. They have no license to use it. You know, like, take a look at attorneys, for example. They have to be a member of the bar in order to practice law. Why? Because that stuff is not theirs. They don't own it. They don't control it. They're just able to use it to practice law in a court. So where do people think that they get permission or license to go around and use UCC or United States Code or IRS, whatever? 
you don't have permission, you don't have a license, it's not yours, leave it the hell alone. And I know that may sound a little harsh, but that's reality. How would you like it if somebody came into your house, sat out in your living room and started watching your TV, started flipping through the channels, and when you said something, they're like, oh, well, this is mine. I have permission to use it because of the fact it says that anybody in your house can watch TV. David, do you want to add anything? Um, well, I could add a few things, but I, I know David's here. I don't know if he's able to talk or not, but I was kind of hoping maybe he would run over uh, some of the catch-22s of the system if he wanted to. Hey, David, could you go over some of the catch-22s of the Constitution? Hey, David, if you're there, we can't really understand you. Um, yeah, it's really garbled. And people also can uh, go into the group, one attack with sovereignty, and somewhere near the top, or even in the comments as well, I know, um, I've got the catch-22s, I think, of the Constitution from David posted there that people can go back and review as well in the future. Well, yeah, and it's, you know, people trying, people keep trying over and over and over again to justify their use of stuff that doesn't belong to them, like the UCC and things like that. And they're like, well, it's published in the Federal Registry or, oh, it's, you know, available for everybody. Look, just because the fact it's published everywhere doesn't mean that you have the right to use it. You know, it's, look, I live right next to a military drone base. I could very easily walk over. I know some of the guards walk right past the guard shack onto the property. Does that mean that I have to print? permission to wander around the base and do whatever I want because it's there? No. What happens if I try? I'm going to get shot. Why? It's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to them. Yes, it's there. But it's not mine. It's somebody else's property. Same thing with the, like the UCC, United States Code, and all this other that's what people want to keep using. Oh, no, 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 I appreciate that. Yeah, whatever. I hear David in the background, but... Yeah, I hear David talking in the background. I don't know if he knows he's unmuted or not. <laughs> oh, yeah, it sounds like he's talking to somebody in the background, but... Anyway, yeah, it just, yeah. I was going to add to that as well. Is yeah, they, I remember hearing about. I remember hearing about a year ago. Somebody was talking about uh, they they had contacted um, people regarding using UCC code, and oh, yeah. uh, I don't know why why that's blanking on my mind right now, but 
they contacted them and asked them for permission to use it. And they received back a letter saying, yeah, you can use the statute for da-da-da. And I thought, wait a second. I'm, if I'm it's already, available I'm, for I'm, everybody I'm, and anybody to use. It's available for everybody and anybody to UN use. And they wouldn't give them permission. So the claim to be a land of sovereignty. And, and they have recognition from 117 different countries. Uh, their website designation is a .int, which costs probably fifty thousand dollars to get a .int. It has. Hey, David. All right. I'm not sure if you can I, hear I, me. I, now I, we can hear you. I I muted him out. He's talking to somebody else on the phone right now. I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I just muted him out. I'll bounce him back <laughs> in a little bit later. But um, and actually, you know, talking about UCC, I I thought it was kind of funny. Um, I'm not sure if UCC does it, but I know that Congress, when they write, um, like people will see PL something or other, that means public law. And then the public law is taken from there and it's codified and put into United States code, USC, da, da, da. I've had people ask me, what does USC mean? And it's like, wow, you know, hopefully you're really, really new, <laughs> you know, but I've heard that that actually gets sent to a uh, company in Canada and this company in Canada goes and they compile the stuff and then they send it back to the government printing office in the US and I was like wow that is kind of crazy right there all right and it's the same thing like with courts for example you go into court and yeah everything that's done in the court is recorded as all public information is the court the one that actually records and makes the transcripts? No. Nine times out of ten, they hire a third-party company to come in and do it. Why? Because the courts most of the time don't have the technology and stuff like that always available to do it. So they hire it out. Also, it's cheaper and more effective. And then that third-party company just takes like the audio recordings, for an example, and writes it all out, you know, everything that's said and everything else, and makes the transcript. That's your court transcript. And a lot of times they'll, well, pretty much all the times I'm aware of anyway, they then put it on a CD and give that CD or DVD, whichever they choose to use, to the court as the court record. And then whenever somebody wants to look at that record or whatever, that's where they get it from, is that CD or DVD or whatever. But anyway, it's, you know, people want to go and use all these different things, like they have standing, like they have a right to use it when they don't. And, you know, like I was mentioning before, how would you like to have somebody walk into your house and start dictating what happened in your own house just because they chose to walk in there? You know, people talk about the, they're able to be responsible and take care of themselves and all this other stuff, but yet take a look at what people say and do in these different Facebook groups. Do you think any of these people, or a vast majority of them, have any honor or respect when the rubber meets the road? I get I'm kind of new to this group, but at the same time, you can't sit there and be yelling and screaming at law enforcement officers or judges or anything else like you have to follow this you have to do that and claim to have any respect or honor 
how would you like it if somebody came up to you and started yelling and screaming at you, telling you what you could and couldn't do? No different. And yet you claim to be honorable? Where? How? Show me how being belligerent with somebody is considered honorable or respectful. I know that's going to piss some people off. But hey, reality is never nice. Well, here's one of the things, though, that... Here's one of the things, though, that you hear from people over and over again. You hear the term public servants. There are public servants, da, da, da. Well, you know, the more and more studying that I've done, I've really come to the point where I've got to believe, a strong, strong belief, that when you see the word public, like public servant, guess what? The public isn't you. You are not necessarily the public, just like you are not the people. And if you really want to know who they serve, oh, I'm sorry, who did they take an oath to? Do they take an oath to you or do they take an oath to the empire and to uphold the constitution of that empire? They didn't take any oath to the people of Wisconsin, the people of Ohio, the people of Missouri. No, that's not the way it works. In fact, today there, there was somebody that was talking on one of the videos I was watching and they were going over some of the different constitutions of different states. And they kept pointing out, right here it says to do da-da-da for the people, da-da-da, and the people is capitalized. Oh, okay. Oh, they're talking about a specific people. Guess what? Not general people, specific people. And you are not those specific people that they're referring to. And it, it's really that simple. There was um, a girl this last week. She put out a video. She goes, oh, this is my debut, so tell me what you guys think. And it was her getting pulled over, and she must have yelled at least 50 times, I do not consent. Um, well, I'm sorry, but if they didn't hear you or understand that the first two or three times, I don't think saying another 40 times is going to make any difference. But because when you join that little club called the Department of Motor Vehicles or whoever, and you sign that driver's license, guess what you did right there? You consented. So saying you don't consent after the fact means nothing. There's all these people that seem to get in trouble, and it's after they get in trouble, it's like, oh, what do I do? How do I get myself out? You know how you get yourself out? You take care of their demands, period. And then once you get done taking care of that, then you figure out, how you're going to remove yourself out of that jurisdiction and out of that system. It's just that oh, yeah. simple. And I hate to tell people that you have to pay up for what you've done, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> well, exactly. It's about honoring your agreements. You know, like you were talking about with a driver's license, at some point in your life, you had a driver's license or a driver's permit or whatever. And if you honestly claim that, no, you never had that. I'm going to ask, number one, where the hell did you come from? And number two, where the hell did you learn how to drive? Because you had to get the skill somewhere. You had to use some kind of road somewhere. And so it's about honoring the agreements and things that you've already consented to until you do, you know, do an honorable thing and you don't like the system, quit it. You know, like you were saying about the protect and serve. When I was in the Oregon State Police, it was a kind of routine thing where people would point out and be like, look, it says there on the patrol car that you guys protect and serve. 
Why am I getting arrested then? Well, truth of the matter is, yes, it says protect and serve. To protect and serve the state. Protect and serve the county, the city, whichever agency that officer works for. Does that mean to protect and serve everybody? No. It means to protect and serve the city, county, state, federal government. And a lot of times, unfortunately, that means protecting them from its own citizens. Well, Joe, to put it really, to show the bigger picture, I mean, December 9th, 1945, Congress turned over all offices, right down to the dog catcher, over to the United Nations. So what the police are doing now is they are protecting the, the international public order. That's their job. It's part of it, yeah. And it... Whether those officers out there know it or not, or realize it or not, they're essentially UN officers. Well, yeah, to a degree, that's it, true. Um, because well, I, I, it's, Joe, I, uh, Joe, well, I want to say, I, I, I just love when I hear people yelling about, oh, you got to get the UN out of the U.S. I'm sorry. The U.S. is the UN, and vice versa. It's just life. It's the way it works. Uh, you, you're waiting for this new world order to come around? Guess what? It's here. You were probably born into it and didn't realize it. Well, that's something else that I want to touch on, too, is you have all these people talking about um, the whole birth certificate issue and, you know, the bank accounts and all this other stuff. Look, yeah, I'm not going to deny that stuff is true. There is bank accounts. There's, you know, everything else in your name that's tied to your birth certificate. But guess what? None of it's yours. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the government. The government, especially in the U.S., uses its own citizens as collateral. Collateral to float loans. How do you think the government funds itself? How do you think it's able to get loans and do business with other countries, with other societies? You know... And I can get into the whole banking and everything else, but that's, you know, not something for discussion here, at least not on this broadcast anyway. Well, Joe, Joe, that um, was actually, Joe, that was actually one of the light bulb moments for me that kind of clicked in my head was oh, okay, when ahead. I first started looking at these things and thinking about it, one of the questions that came to my mind is you'd see in the newspaper or whatever, it would be talking about, you know, the wealth of nations and, oh, this is the most wealthiest nation, or these are poor nations. And I'd stop and think, wait a minute, what do nations own? Technically, what do they really own that makes them more wealthy or less wealthy than another nation? And then when you really start thinking about it, you look, well, what all has been registered to that nation? Oh, your car has been registered to them? Um, your, your legal entity was registered soon after your birth, 10 days after or whatever, which means all of your possible income in the future projected was also put on the doles. That was put on the books as to value. All of the corporations, that's the value. And it's like, wow, oh, my God. And then it starts to make sense when you look at things from the real, real perspective of what they really own. Well, what, do, what can you control? You can only control what you own, period. And, you know, with all these things that I mentioned, whether it was April.
for Lejeune or Anna or Kata Gaia or government of the United States of America or whatever, one thing that runs in common with all of these is that all of these people are doing things or are attempting to do things within the system. They're still in there. And Oh yeah. I, 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 like, I, I, Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was gonna say I, I, I had a conversation with a woman that was um secretary for lieutenant governor for Florida here several years ago. And I said, Oh yeah, I was up at your old office the other day. And she said, Oh, what were you doing way up there? Were you, were you involved in a protest or something? And I just started laughing. I said, Listen, I said, the way I see protests I see them as being looked at as three-year-olds throwing a temper tantrum on the floor of the living room and then mom and dad say, go to your room, time out. And she started laughing. She says, you know what? That's exactly right. Yeah, that is. That's absolutely right. Um, Thankfully, when I was with uh, OSP, I never had to deal with any of that kind of stuff, at least in a professional um, environment. But, yeah, that's the exact stance the government takes. And people start, you know, doing these protests and march and everything else. It's exactly how you're viewed. As a two-year-old child throwing a temper tantrum and you need to be put in a timeout. And, you know, to kind of go back to the whole birth certificate thing, you get these people saying, oh, well, you know, we never got a birth certificate for our child. We never registered him. So the government doesn't have any jurisdictional bullshit. Not in the language, but bull. You want to see a good example of that? What are you? You're a U.S. citizen or a citizen of Canada or the Philippines or whatever. You're a citizen of another country. And take a look at international law. Children are born into the conditions of their parents. Parents are citizens, child's a citizen. You think that they can't step in and take those kids away? Watch them. They can and they do do it. Well, Joe, I, I, have, seen, I have seen several situations so, where that wasn't the case. So that, that's a little bit of an iffy area there, and I think it kind of depends on who you're dealing with. Well, admittedly, it kind of does. Um, I'm just speaking like overall in general. It's a premise in international law that the child are born into the same condition as their parents. In other words, if you're born a slave, then if your parents were slaves, you're born into slavery, guess what? That's just the condition that you're in. Like it or not, it is what it is. You want to change it, you can't change it in the system by using the system against itself. You want to change it? How about you actually follow like what the Declaration of Independence says and what the Constitution says and things like that? If you don't find it advantageous to remain in society, quit it. Form something new. You know, what is in the Constitution? In the event that the government becomes corrupt or perverted, it is the right and the duty of the people to abolish it and form a new. Does it say to go in and change it? No. It says abolish it. Create something new, something different. Right, right, absolutely. In fact, that that's in the Declaration of Independence, and it says that right on the front of the brand new hundred dollar bills. If anybody wants to grab one and pull out a microscope or pull out a glass and look at it, 
that's what it tells you. It's giving you your full disclosure right there. <laughs> well, you know, like before you were talking about the whole sovereign citizen thing with Dean Clifford and stuff like that. Look, I've admitted several times. I got on this whole trail with meeting David Williams and learning international law and stuff like that because of the fact I was already on the sovereign citizen stuff. And I got introduced to the whole sovereign citizen by seeing some stuff from Dean Clifford and another guy up in Canada called uh, Robert Menard. And I started following a lady by the name of Carrie Lee Miller and her husband, John. She used to do a radio program called Lifting the Veil. And I knew them very, very well. And you want to talk about how a bunch of this stuff doesn't work. She's a perfect example. She followed Dean Clifford with Old Sovereign Citizen and trying to use the system against itself to the point that Dean Clifford used to own a big farm up in Canada. She packed up her, her husband, their kids, everything else, went up and started living on his farm. Even when there was eviction notices and foreclosure notices on the doors of the houses that Dean owned that the government was foreclosing on because they hadn't been paying their taxes, they hadn't been paying their bills, there was huge amounts of money owed against the properties, all this other kind of stuff. And Dean was just telling them, oh, ignore that, you know, we're, we're going to get them back. You know, we're using their own rules against them. Guess what? All those properties got seized. Everybody that was on there got chased out by the sheriffs, by the RCMPs. Terry Lee Miller and her family lost over 50 grand. That's not some chump change because of the fact they believed what he was saying and followed him. And they literally followed him to the teeth, everything he said. And now because of that, he doesn't want to even hear the word sovereignty or about law or anything else because of the fact they got so badly burned. And admittedly, it ruined the friendship that her and I had because of the fact that that was around the same time that I found David Williams and started learning international law. And I started talking to her about it. And she got to the point, she says, you know what? I understand and I respect what you're doing, but I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore because you're following that path. You know, it's not just the money side of things that affects people. It's the emotions, the kind of mentality. And unfortunately, I think that's the vast majority of the reason why people believe so much of this is because they want to believe the system works because that's what they've been taught their entire life. And it's Joe, just that, that brings emotional up, connection. Joe, that brings Sorry, up something that, yeah, that brings up something I've meant to touch on a few times yeah, for a few weeks now and haven't done it, I don't think. And that is, um, and this is going to sound like it's off base, but it's not strictly over the target. And that is looking at, for instance, um, these purges that we've seen done on YouTube and different channels that get taken down. I mean, they might have two, 300 subscribers, you know what I mean? And, and they get pulled. And then at the same time, you turn and you look at personalities like David Icke. Okay. And you cannot go a day um, browsing YouTube and not see something from David Icke show up. 
And it's like they keep yanking all these people, but David Icke seems to get like free reign. Now, I know David Icke has problems when he goes into other countries. Um, I had a friend actually that went to New Zealand uh, specifically because he had a meeting with David Icke. And when he got to the international airport there in New Zealand, when he, excuse me, when he landed, um, the officials pulled him aside and put him in a room and they said, we know you're here to see David Icke and we want to know why. Now, so, you know, I, I do know there are countries that have problems with him. Uh, I think Canada might be one of them as well. But at the same time, it's like, wait a second. But all his info is still out there online, his interviews, his talks. Why is that? And that falls directly in line with a lot of these other things that you see. And it's a concept I came up with a few months ago when I was wondering about these issues. And... It, it kind of goes like this. It's kind of a three-step program, okay? Um, and you can look at this the same way as, say, people talking about the JFK assassination, for instance, okay? Um, or 9-11, okay? Is that there is the main narrative that the empire puts out. That's what you hear on mainstream media, da-da-da. This is a story. 9-11, it was a guy in a cave that orchestrated all this even though we can't find him and CNN talked to him months before they even did supposedly locate him, you know, but the, this is the narrative and they want you to follow that narrative. And then there's a second line of thinking that comes out that starts talking about the real truth of the matter and really gets people thinking, you know, does this really make sense? No, it doesn't, does it? There's got to be something else going on. And the, the second narrative starts leading you to the exact truth of what's really going on. And then you've got a third tier that comes out. And this third tier, um, you know, you, you can look at it from the perspective of like what David Icke talks about regarding uh, space. And we know that Trump just came out a few months ago talking about a space force. Um, to me, he wasn't talking about creating one. He was exposing something that already existed. All right. But you've got people like David Icke or David Wilcock or whoever that comes on. And they're talking about blue chickens and aliens and all this stuff that is just so crazy that people see that as they're following this rabbit hole. And they're like, you know what? This is craziness. And it leads them right back to the first narrative of the empire that it was a guy in a cave. And so I think they allow some things out there like that to exist because as people follow these little rabbit trails, they're going to come across stuff that is just so bizarre that they're like, you know what? They lump the second and the third tier together and say, these guys are all nuts. We're just going to listen to our leaders, you know, our leaders of the free world, which I don't know why a free world would really need a leader, but anyway. And that's my perspective on that. And I don't know if you have any thoughts regarding that or not, Joe. Oh, no, exactly. And, it, you know, look, what's the greatest slave in the world? Greatest slave in the world is the one that thinks that they're free. You want to talk about America being free? How? Because you can get out and walk around the street because you can get in a car and drive somewhere, engage in different things, 
but yet you're still controlled, you're still a slave. Just because the fact they allow you to do certain things doesn't make you any less of a slave. You know, it's, I think that the reason why they allow, and this is just my own personal opinion, but I think the vast majority of the reason why they allow so much of this garbage to go on is because of the fact it keeps people divided. You know, it keeps people dumbed down, it keeps people divided, and it keeps people's attention on everything else instead of what's going on. People want yep, to talk absolutely. about, you know, the dumbing down of America, but then they say, oh, well, I'm so smart. Why? <clears throat> because you were part of the dumbing down education and society? What makes you so special? What makes you so smart? Well, that goes you know, right it, back to the that that goes right back to the idea that everybody hates Congress, but they love their congressman. Um, I was going to go back and unmute David and see if he's available yet. Go ahead, Joe. Oh yeah. Well, and it, so, David, your line is open if you're able to talk. But it's funny too because of the fact that you have so many people that sit there and say, oh, I can never be a victim of Stockholm Syndrome. Which, I don't know if people know what Stockholm Syndrome is or not, but it's where the abuser comes to love, the victim comes to love their abuser. They come to love their oppressor. And they claim that, oh, they could never be a victim of Stockholm Syndrome, but yet they love their country. They start making questions like that, I question their sanity. David, you there? He's unmuted. I don't know if he muted himself or not, but uh, David is unmuted right now if he wants to bounce on. Oh, okay. I guess if he wants to hop in, he can just jump in at any time. <laughs> yeah, he might be taking care of some other responsibilities or uh, functions of nature right now. Who knows? So. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny, too, because something that's come up this past week is, like, I openly tell people that I wrote books about international law, and yes, I sell them. I, I make no apologies for that. But on the other hand, I give away more of my books for free than what I probably do selling them. In fact, I can guarantee that. But look, I'm not saying people need to go out and buy my books or anything else. If you want to, by all means, have at it. But at the same time, there's several other books and authors and stuff like that that have written the same kind of stuff, the same information. Don't just take my word. Go and look at other people's work. Go and read you know, The Law of Nations by Vitale. Really good books on international law. And admittedly, those four books, The Law of Nations, all four by Vattel, are the basic premises of international law. And, you know, one of the individuals that bought my book this past week made a comment about the reading level of the average person in America being about sixth grade reading level. And they were concerned that people that buy my book not, may not be able to understand it because, in fact, obviously it's written at a much higher grade level. Look, if you think 
my book is a bit too high for the average person, try going and reading other law books. The Law of Nations is definitely way above a sixth grade level. And admittedly, I could dumb them down more, um, make it more easier for the average person to understand. But I kind of have the mindset of if you're going to be out there actually having freedom and having political standing, exercising your right of self-determination, you need to be able to understand the language. And if you can't understand it on a base level, how in the heck can you understand it in a more complicated situation? You know, this kind of stuff takes responsibility. It takes a certain level of understanding. And, you know, there's the old premises that a vast majority of people are followers, very few are leaders. And I've seen that over and over and over, and that's a, it's absolutely true. And unfortunately, most people will never have real freedom because of the fact they're followers. They cannot stand up and do things on their own. Instead, they want something else, somebody else to do it for them. I see this all the time with people that are looking for some template, some form that they can fill out and suddenly be free. You know, and as I get criticized because of the fact I charge like 10 bucks for my books, I get people all the time that tell me, oh, you need to be giving them that away for free. This information should be a human right. Okay, so what you're saying is that somebody's time, effort, energy, resource, and knowledge mean nothing. Really? Is that the premises that you want to live on? Because it's not the premises that I believe in. I believe people's work and time and resources and knowledge are worth something. If that makes me an evil person, well, then damn it, I guess I'm the devil. But I believe that people have self-value, self-worth. Well, here's the thing also is that as the head of the family, you know, and generally it's always been, supposedly, you know, the man was the head of the family, you know, and that's how he files his taxes, whatever the case may be. But in general, really being the head of the family, you're the leader. You're supposed to be the teacher. And how are you going to teach and lead your children and your family if you don't comprehend this stuff? And, you know, instead, you're not being a leader. You're just teaching your family how to be a follower. And I'm not just calling the men out, out there. I'm also calling out the women because there's plenty of women now that, unfortunately, are the head of the family. Um, the father's gone, whatever reason may be, and she's responsible for taking care of the kids and rearing the children, which rearing the children, also that means teaching them, leading them in the direction that they need to go in. And to me, it's not just leading them in the direction that society says, oh, these are the rules you got to follow, but teaching them how to think and teaching them how to re really pay attention to what's presented to them and decipher the truth out of it and find what the truth is and what's false and really to learn self-responsibility on their own. That's really what has to be done. And unfortunately, we have now not families of leaders leading the families, but we've got heads of families that are followers that are just teaching the people around them 
how to be good followers, how to be good slaves. And that's very, very unfortunate, but that's the way the system has been designed. That's the way it's been set up because they found long ago that that would be the best way to have a stable society. Because, you know, we talk about freedom and you hear the word freedom. You have to realize what the system's concept of freedom is and what their definition of it is. Their definition of freedom is you following them and being subservient to them. As long as you're subservient to them, there'll be freedom in the land. That's their idea of freedom. What happened? It's like... Uh, did you see the movie Man of Steel? No, I think David's still in the background talking to somebody else. Yeah, he's still in the background talking, so let me mute him back out. But yeah, it, what you're saying is exactly true. I mean, look, I'm with a mindset, and I know that I'm not alone in this mindset, not by a long shot. But if you're going to be a citizen of a country, it doesn't matter if it's the U.S., Canada, Australia, New Zealand, wherever. You're going to be a citizen. You're going to be a slave. And sit down and be quiet and be a good one. You know, take a look at what happened with the founding fathers when they formed the U.S. and broke away from Britain. They still honored their agreements with the king, with England, until it got to the point where they said, no, we're not doing this no more. Did they go in and try to use, you know, Britain's codes and everything else against the king? No. They just showed up and said, enough is enough. We're not putting up with this crap anymore. And we're going to go and do our own thing. Did they have any land when they did it? No. They controlled a lot of equity, but they did not own any land. And for the first nine years, the United States did not technically own any land at all. That's a common misconception. People think that they own the 13 colonies. They did eventually, but when they broke away from Britain, they didn't own anything. You know, and getting back to, like, what you were saying before about the money and stuff like that and the birth certificate and all that other stuff, look, when I came together with other like-minded people in Port and Freeport and stuff like that, I didn't try to claim anything on my birth certificate or my driver's license or any of that other stuff. I simply left it on the table, sent a lot of it back to the government agencies that issued it. So this is your property, not mine? Here it is. Did I go in and like, try to say, oh, well, you guys you know, have this amount? this much money in bank account because my birth certificate and there's a trust and no, it's not mine. It had nothing to do with me. I was just given the sure privilege of enjoying some of the benefits. Just the same as any other citizen. Now admittedly I changed my name when I went from being a US citizen to one of the founders of Freeport and that has nothing to do with because of fact I was trying to run away from anything or anything else. It was just simply done because that way it made it easier for me to understand when people were dealing with me, were they trying to deal with who I used to be as a U.S. citizen and trying to engage with me in that way, or are they engaging with me as who I am now? 
So it was literally done as a separation. Did I have to change my name or anything? No. I could have continued using it. I mean, my birth name is the same one I use on Facebook, Joe Hayden. Although if you want to get technically correct, it's Joseph, but whatever. Um, I could have continued using it and doing whatever I wanted with it. Why? That's my name. It's not copyrighted or owned by anybody else. Sure, it's on a birth certificate in different forms. So what? And it, it's interesting, though, because of the fact I see so many people that try to justify their wrong actions by other actions just as wrong, just as incorrect. And one of the other things I hear a lot of people talk about is, well, you need to respect your elders. You know, they know better. Well, I'm sorry, but if you're doing the same thing, for 20 plus years and it's wrong, how is that better? Because you've been doing something stupid for longer? No. I think that whole, you know, your elders know best is frankly BS. Just because of the fact you've been doing something for a certain period of time and you have a certain idea doesn't mean it's right. You know, it's people need to be doing their own research. Don't just take my word or Brian's word or David's word or anybody else's word for it. Do your own research. Go do your own due diligence. Because I can guarantee when you get up to a level like where David is or where I am, you have no excuses. You can't say, oh, well, I didn't do this because whatever. You want to talk about having honor and respect and accountability? Holy Toledo. You can't sit there and read off of somebody else's script and do this stuff. You have to know what you're doing. And not only well, what you you're know, doing, but how it's done. Well, you know what? You, you have to use a little bit of common sense, too. And, and I, let me touch on that whole trust issue. And that some trust was opened up in your name. Some bank account was opened up in your name. Um, yeah, sure. The Social Security card originally said on it, um, account number and then I gave the social security number okay yeah that's the account number for you and that's what you're going to use to tap into whatever supposedly if you retire when if you are providing so in the system or not but people need to realize that that trust what you'll people hear the term public trust that's what it is it's a big pool I, I call it the big pool everybody pees in all right and any any account that's opened up by somebody, I can I can open up an account and like say for instance, there's a lot of different accounts. I could, I could open up an escrow account and I could put the name on that escrow account, Bill Smith. Does that mean everybody that's got the name Bill Smith on their birth certificate has access to that? Oh my God, you open up an account in my name? Come on, that's insane. The only people that have access to an account are the people that create the account and open it up and initially start it that's it doesn't matter what they name it and I, i've mentioned before i had a situation where i found out my landlord uh, wasn't paying on his mortgage and he was going to get foreclosed on so what did i do i opened up a trust account in his name of the property 
and wrote him a letter and said, listen, I understand the situation you're in right now. My rent payments are going into this escrow account. Here's the name of it, da-da-da. And when everything gets squared away, providing it gets squared away with the banks, with I think it was Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or somebody at that time, I said, then I'll release those funds for my previous rent payments to you. But until then, that's where I'm putting Guess what? He never said a word. Never said a word. Because he couldn't. And I was acting in honor. But that's just an example that you can open an account in anything you want to open it up in. There's various different types of accounts that can be opened. That does not give anybody the right to access that account just because they think it has their name on it. I mean, not only just do a little due diligence, but use a little common sense, people. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really simpler than people realize. And when I started researching these things, I'll tell you what. Fortunately, I didn't spend 20, 30, 40 years stuck on the same thing, the same one-trick pony that a lot of the patriots did and never got anywhere and either ended up dying in prison or on the side of the road. I learned quickly within six months because I was looking at what was working. And what was working is when I saw people using international law. And when they were following international law, that's really where I saw things starting to make a turn at and where results were coming at. Even when it came to things with children and families, using international law. Uh, and the attitude that I have towards it really is, you know, if somebody is coming against you, Instead of trying to use their codes and statutes against them, find out who their boss is. Well, guess what? When it comes to just about every situation, guess who the court's boss is? Guess who the government's boss is? It's international. You've got to go to international law and look at those things. That is where you're going to find the direction that you need to move in. Not just for your, your family or your situation, but yourself and your position and your station in life. I'll turn it well, back exactly. over to you, Joe. Well, exactly. And, it, you know, I've heard so many people talk about the difference between public law versus private law and stuff like that. Look, yeah, there's a difference in between public law and private law. And people automatically assume that they have to say what the private law is and it needs to be published and stuff like that. No, they don't. That's exactly why it's called private law. And, yes, that even is implied, you know, in connection with international law. There's public international law and there's private. All the, the private law means is just that. It's private between the consenting uh, parties. It's not for public consumption. There's a lot of um, private international law that I don't know anything about. Why? I'm not a party to it. I'm not part of their agreements, their compacts, whatever. It's none of my business. Perfectly okay with that. And it, the point that I'm trying to make with it. There was a site that I was looking at. Now you're mentioning that. The site I was looking at, uh, looking up different uh, treaties, and I was trying to find one. And But they stated on there, they said, no. And it was a government site that said, just because certain treaties are not listed here does not mean they're not in effect. 
Exactly. That's the difference of private versus public international law. You know, it, I'll go back to the Walmart example earlier. You walk into Walmart and you start shopping there and whatever, you agree to the company's standards and, you know, terms and conditions, stuff like that as a consumer. Does that mean that they have to tell you what all those things are? No. It does not. But you're still agreeing to them by doing business there. You're still agreeing to them by engaging in the commerce. You know, it, and people talk about, oh, well, you know, they need to be giving full disclosure on public stuff. Sure. And they do. That's something else I wanted to kind of talk about is people say, oh, well, you know, I wasn't given full disclosure on these contracts, like for my driver's license or whatever. I have to call BS. They put out the information all the time. How do you think it's available? You think that you can't go onto Google and do a quick search just because of the fact that the rules weren't included in some little pamphlet that you got that they never gave you full disclosure? No, they do all the time. It's not their job to provide all that for you. They release it publicly. It's your job to know it. You know, it's people want to say, oh, well, I was never told about this. Well, you know, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Ignorance is no excuse at all for anything. Well, I wasn't informed, informed of this. Again, not their problem, not their issue. It's the individual's responsibility know the law and to know what they're doing. It's not their job to teach you. It's your job to know. And it's... Well, by signing something like, alone, by signing something alone, that means that you are agreeing to their policies. So before you sign something, well, yeah. guess what? You should probably go see what their policies are, shouldn't you? <laughs> well, exactly. Take a look at like what you were talking about with you know, the censorship issue, um, like with YouTube and stuff like that. You know, look, when people sign up for a YouTube account or a Google account or whatever, you agree to all the terms and service. Now, unfortunately, most people don't even read what that little pop-up is. They just throw it under the bottom and click next without ever reading it, let alone going and reading the full terms of service and community standard guidelines and everything else. But is it Google's or YouTube's responsibility to make sure that you know that stuff? No, that's your job. And sure, they take down stuff that violates their community standard guidelines and you know their code of conduct and other things. Why? Because it's in the contract. They can do that. It says if you don't follow these terms, we can take it down. We can get rid of it. You consented to it. You agreed to it. And they also say in there, and this isn't just like Google or YouTube. This is pretty much every company, every government. This is, by the way, we have the right to change these terms and conditions, and we don't have to tell you. We can change the terms and conditions at any time. Why? This is our terms and conditions. We're the one that get to define what it is. Don't believe me? And I'll use a... David example, 
because admittedly, he's the one that taught me about this nice little gem. Don't believe me? Go into a bank. Take a look at the deposit slip. It says that you agree to the terms and conditions. Has anybody ever went and read what those terms and conditions are? I'm not talking about just a little booklet. I'm talking about the actual documents that usually are over 100 pages long. And one of the things in there says, oh, yeah, when you have an account here, we can do what we want with it. We can turn it into new terms and service. We can turn it into other accounts and services. We can take your money and do whatever we want with it. And people the still think it's their money. Bottom line, it's no longer your money. When you're giving it over to them, uh, you're almost kind of like placing them in a position of trusteeship, and they can do what they want. Exactly. You want to see a good example of that, go to Google and type in, say, for an example, Bank of America Risk Management. Find out what that's all about. That's how David Williams found out about it. It's because he had money taken away by risk management. He had a conversation with them, and they said, look, if you read the contract with this bank, we can take your money anytime we want to. And they did. They're right. It's in the contract. It's in the terms of service, which they can change, and a lot of times they do change quite often. You know, it's... What are people yeah, going to do? Bank accounts I've had in the past, it seemed like every two or three months I was getting a letter from the bank in the mail saying, you know, new terms and conditions. And what do we normally do with it? Ah, you just throw it in the trash. Yep, and then people want to turn around and scream, well, I was never given full disclosure. Really? Because you never went and read what they said. You never went and read the contract. It's because your own, and I hate to sound this harsh, but it's because your own laziness that you don't know what's going on. Not because of the uh, fact they didn't provide it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Joe, uh, let me bounce over and see what David's doing right now. Uh, we're past the hour mark. So, and like I tell everybody, you know, this is all about learning who you are, where you're really from, and where you're really at. And if you really want to know, if you really care, yeah, go pick up Vitell's book, Law of Nations. Uh, it's uh, about 670-plus pages. Enjoy. But I'll tell you what, you'll get an education as to how things really work. And, you know, as much as this is the basis, that is the basis, and those are precepts that go back prior to the times of Egypt as to how nations were formed and the rules and and what they abided by and how they treat each other, not just between different nations, but between its citizens and the nation as well. This is old, old information that's all been compiled. And I really recommend that to people if they really want to know how stuff operates. Because that's where you're, you're going to find it at. That's where you're going to find the real concepts of how things are organized. At. And, you know, it's funny. Sometimes you read through Law of Nations. It's like, oh, my God. I think I read that in the Bible, <laughs> you know. It's old, old concepts. Somebody bounce over and see if David's available. Uh, David, you're unmuted if you're around. 
There's a couple people that had asked if David was going to be able to come on this evening or not. And he's linked in, but I don't know if David's busy with other stuff or not. Um, before we forget, while we're kind of waiting on David, is there anybody that has their hand raised for questions? or? I don't see any hand raised yet. It's uh, star six, if you want to do that, if you're on the phone. If anybody has any questions, now is the time to raise your hand, and that way we can know and get an answer. Uh, this had to do with the 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 red bristling with energy. This 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 whole thing out of the bio line. I'm oh yeah, he's still talking to somebody in the background. <laughs> energy. This yeah. Pure, this is so, energy. Let me let me go. Just look look at it All right. Well, maybe we can set up a time for uh, David in the future to come on with us. Um, that way he has it planned. I know a lot of times he just listens in while he's doing other things. So, and um, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, let me look in the chat and see if anybody brought anything up. And also let people know, maybe not next week, maybe a couple weeks, but. Um, if anybody's familiar with Scotty Roberts, I'm going to be having Scotty Roberts come on and chit-chat with him because he does a lot of research back into biblical things and things that we may have been taught in Sunday school that weren't necessarily the case. And this all ties into the law that we're under today as well. Um, let me see in the chat if there's a question or anything here. Well, something else I wanted to add in real quick is you know, tonight's thing is all about rabbit holes and stuff like that. The question i got to ask people, and admittedly I'd like people to answer this in the Facebook group, is are you going to continue to go down these rabbit holes of like the UCC and the USC and all this other stuff, or are you going to try to find an answer of the way out? You know, the choice is yours. Are you going to continue to go down the rabbit hole, which just never ends? You know, I've seen people spend 20, 30 years trying to get solutions with the UCC and USC. I've never seen one person get any answers that way. So are you going to continue to go down the rabbit hole, or are you going to try to, you know, do something different and actually get answers? Joe, I, I, do, have one, I do have one statement in the chat here. Uh, somebody said, uh -huh. I guess I need to research how to claim my child through international law then also correct the marriage certificate. And my, myself, I, I would bring up two points on that. Uh, one, there's no correcting the marriage certificate. Um, what, once you've contracted in with a marriage, it, that is a contract. And when you've done it with the state, it's become a ugly three-way menage a trois. And you put the state in a position where they get to decide who and what happens within that marriage. Um, you know, if people are looking to get married, uh, do a regular common law marriage. I mean, it's just got, it just should be a contract between two people. Hey, you don't pull a third party in. And at the same time, when it comes to a child that is born through that marriage and claiming the child, uh, number one, international law, the child follows the condition of the parents, follows the same station. If the parent is a citizen, 
which is synonymous with subject or slave, then so is the child. All right. So what well, one's well, got to be done right. before the other. And to kind of answer the question, you know, like what can you do about getting your child out using international law? Look, for the people like it or not, there is only one answer. And that's the right of self-determination, which is found in international law under peaceful settlement of the dispute. So you want to know how you can get your child out and protect them, you need to come together with other like-minded people, exercise your right of self-determination. And by the way, when you do that, claim your children. They're yours. Not the government's, not anybody else's. They're yours. Well, I, I would also, I would add it into that, though, that uh, a stuff that can't hurt is that, that you know, look to the state's bosses. Well, the state is a franchise of the Fed, U.S. Inc., whoever of the empire, and their boss really is international law and is the United Nations. And you can go to the rights of a child in the United Nations, go to that treaty, and you could scroll down through that. I don't remember. I think there's uh, upwards of maybe 30 different precepts in there. And you could probably easily find a half a dozen that have been violated by the state and bring those up. Because the only thing that I've ever seen any judge start to sweat over is violations of um, international law or violations of treaties with the with uh, the United Nations. And when you start pointing out human rights violations, that that is the only thing that I've seen really make tables start to turn. But the bigger concept that needs to be taken care of is um, correcting your relationship and coming together with other like-minded people, like Joe just said. Well, admittedly, like I posted in the Facebook group before, that, look, I'm not all about just the problems or anything else. I'm about answers. And for those that really want to learn what international law is, how it works, and stuff like that, look, I made a group on Facebook called Law of States. That's what's addressed in there. I post stuff in there somewhat on a regular basis about, you know, what international law is, how it works. You people want to see a good example of how things work. I highly recommend people go and watch a HBO documentary that was turned into a series that was done on the life of John Adams. Not only his presidency, but his life in general. It shows a lot of what was going on with the founding fathers and when the U.S. was created and stuff like that. And one of the nice little Easter eggs that I thought was really interesting that they put in there was the last episode that they did, they brought John Adams back to the White House for this painting that was done depicting all the founding fathers and stuff like that in the Continental Congress where they signed, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, things like that. And John Adams got mad and furious with the painter. And the painter's like, why? What did I, what did I get wrong? What did I do? And John Adams was like, that never happened. That whole thing with everybody in the same room to, sitting there signing it together, 
that never happened. It was very rare that we would run into people, you know, in Congress, in the Capitol building, because they had disease like the yellow fever and a lot of other things that were going on. And so they simply did not run into each other all that often. It actually took several years to get all the signatures for the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and things like that. It was not done all at once. And the painter's attitude was like, well, I was trying to convey the solidarity of what happened. And Mr. Adams' attitude was like, yes, but it's about principle. You're portraying a false history of America. And yet you take a look at today's society. What does everybody believe? They believe, oh yeah, these 55 or 59 men got together and wrote up and all signed this declaration, this constitution, all at once. And they did it for everybody because I'm so special because my mama makes really good banana bread. Really? You think anything they did has anything to do with you? No. If you read the documents, it actually says that. Does it say that they do it for everybody? No, it says we do this for ourselves and our posterity. Are yeah, you know, Joe. Joe, I want to say I've gone there to Philadelphia, and I've stood there in Independence Hall where they were doing the Constitutional Convention at, to um, do corrections or to rewrite the Articles of Confederation. And that room is like 20 by 30. It's a small room. And, I, you know, I was expecting Independence Hall. I, I was expecting to see this big room where all of Congress would be assembled and everything like that. It was this small little room. It, it, it wasn't even big enough. I mean, people wouldn't even have their wedding banquet in it. It's that small. And I stood there, and, I mean, I felt the energy of the room and everything. But still, I was just in awe as to how small it was. Oh, yeah. Once you really start looking into the real history of things, it starts, admittedly, it takes a long time to accept that everything that you were taught growing up was a lie. Look, it took me several years. Like, even when I was learning this stuff with international law with David Williams and stuff like that, it still took me a while to admit that all this was real. But I could not deny the evidence, the black ink on white paper, so to speak, that was in front of my face. Let me, let me add to that, Joe, because oh, we've got people on from Canada. Um, a lot of the calls that we do, I've got people on from Portugal, from Australia, from you know, all different countries, uh, the Netherlands, I've had people in one night, it's like amazing to see people all around the world listening into one thing. And so when we're speaking of the law of nations and I saw somebody in the chat said, you know, that's something they're going to start reading. Um, <clears throat> there's a couple of resources. One, if you go on my YouTube channel, subscribe, go into my creative playlist. There's a creative playlist there of the Law of Nations if you just want to listen while you're doing other things because it takes a lot of time to get through. 
So if you want to just be able to listen to it while you're cruising down the road, things like that, um, that's one avenue you can take. But the thing is also is that international law, it's, think about it, it's international. It applies worldwide and also applies to the people at the UN. All right. It, it's the precepts of how everything is based. So, well, exactly. uh, by the way, it's someone in the like, chat that said they want to read it. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, like, for an example, I follow international law to the letter of the law. And, you know, we're talking about a bunch of these different rabbit holes and stuff like that. You got people like Keith Livingway. All right. I had a phone call not too long ago with the FBI in Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, about Keith Edward Livingway. And I reported exactly what he was doing and his YouTube channel, his website, everything else, and shared with him emails that I've got from people that follow him and what he's doing. And it was really interesting because my background in law enforcement and stuff like that, but one of the things that the FBI agent that I was speaking with, nice lady, really professional, she asked me, she said, sir, um, why are you reporting this? And the answer that I gave to her was, completely honest, I said, well, because of the fact that I am a foreign uh, diplomat, somebody, you know, that has a diplomatic community, and I believe in following the international public order. It's my responsibility to report crimes that I observe or that I know about to the proper authorities. I'm not trying to create contention. I'm trying to follow peace. There's an international public order. I have the information about a crime. I'm handing it over to you guys. And her response was, okay, thank you. It was, it, well, you can't do this. Never belligerent, never anything. The entire thing was nothing but professional and done with respect. People say, oh, yeah, you can't really do those things because, you know, the government's going to come after you. Look, people like myself, people like David Williams have gotten nothing but respect, gratitude, and honor from different governments that we've dealt with. Admittedly, right now I'm trying to set up things to establish an embassy in places like the Philippines, Canada, um, Bolivia, um, Belize. You know, I'm trying to get things established in multiple different countries. And at the same time, I'm also trying to bring education to people. Because, look, the law side of it is just one aspect. One of the bigger, most important parts is the financial side. People need to be financially independent and financially responsible to handle their own affairs. Without the financial independence and simply having the money to do stuff, how are you going to do anything? Forget the law side of it. How are you going to do things in daily life if you don't have money? You know, the steps to do this stuff is relatively simple, but it's not easy. I'm not saying you have to be a multimillionaire or billionaire or anything to do this kind of stuff, 
Well, I'm saying you need to have your financial house in order. Uh, you know what, Joe? That's been one of my questions also, is you see all these other little rabbit trails that I had mentioned earlier, and you, I look at it and I say, okay, what are you doing? Uh, even with the government of the United States of America, what are you doing internationally? You say you're following international law? Okay, what are you doing for other countries? You know, well, you know, even forget what are you doing for other countries or what are you doing globally. What are you even doing locally? What are you doing in your own state? How are you helping your own state? How are you even helping your own county or your own town? And you don't see that being done. Everything is being done out of selfishness. Everything's being done out of me, me, me. And how can I discharge my electric bill? So, and that, that's not being an honor. That, that's not the position or the station that we are supposed to be standing in in life. We're, we're supposed to be helping each other out. Um, you know, go, go back to the book of Genesis. We're created in the image of our creator, right? Well, if you're created in the image of your creator, what are you supposed to be? You're supposed to be a creator, aren't you? Okay, my question is, what are you creating? What are you doing? Because if you're known, if, if you're known by your fruits, show me your fruits. But, yeah, we're hitting well over an hour here. Uh, you want to close out with anything, brother? Um, yeah, I'll just go ahead and close out, you know, by saying, you know, you're going to look at these different rabbit holes. Ask yourself what solutions have ever come out of those. Where has anybody ever got with using UCC or USC or whatever? And what makes you think it's going to work? Do your own research. Do your own due diligence. There's enough people pointing out the problems. But let's start having solutions. And instead of focusing in on the negative, be the change that you want to see in the world. You don't like how something is being done? Do something about it. Be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Don't sit back and whine, gripe, and complain about stuff that your government's doing if you're going to remain a citizen. You don't like what the government, what your government's doing? Exercise your right of self-determination and do something different. And by the way, once you do that, don't go back in there and try to change what they're doing. That's a violation of international law, violation of the international public order. It's interfering with the internal politics of another country. Once you come out, leave them alone. Honor your word. Honor your agreement. Be the change. Absolutely. Well, thanks, guys. And I guess until next Sunday night at 9, um, have an honorable week. <laughs> That's the best way of putting it. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. See everybody next week.